Welcome to the Sports Business Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Berger. You can find the Sports Business Radio Podcast 15 years, over 600 episodes featuring conversations with the biggest names in sports like David Stern, Pete Carroll, Chris Abbott, Jeannie Buss, Michael Vick, Andre Iguodala, Mark Cuban, Tom Rinaldi, Charles Barkley, Jack Nicholas, Lindsey Vaughn, Eric Spolster, Aaron Rodgers, and Steve Nash on iTunes or at sportsbusinessradio.com. Subscribe, rate, and review the Sports Business Radio podcast on iTunes, and everyone who posts a review on iTunes will be eligible to be selected to join us in our studio audience at one of our Sports Business Radio roadshows presented by Boingo. And we're also on Spotify now, so you can find us there. Follow us in between podcasts on Twitter at SB Radio. We've been named a top 50 followed by Forbes.com for three consecutive years, and on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio. We are back in Portland after a great week in New York City last week. Uh, we're going no guests this week. We have a lot of things to talk about on the show this week. Uh, I'm joined in studio, as always, by our executive producer, Brian Griggs, who's an old man now. You're a week into 40. How does it feel? You know, it's funny. We were just talking before we came on air that uh, I'm still recovering and going to bed at like 8 <laughs> o'clock every night. So see, you're yeah, a senior I'm, now. I know. I'm a senior guy. I'm 40. So yeah, no, it's good. It's uh, good to be back in Portland. And uh, yeah, I can't believe we're past Memorial Day already. Nuts. Yeah. We went hard in New York. We did. I mean, the event has a lot of production around it. And then, you know, we went to Facebook and Instagram and... We obviously conducted our interview on last week's podcast with Mark Miles, the CEO of IndyCar, which you can find on demand on iTunes and Spotify. Um, but yeah, it was it, when you do the cross country time zone change. Yeah, it takes you a little while. Yeah, we red eyed and we flew at what yeah. seven in the morning when we came back, so we were up at four in the morning. Right, <laughs> it's like yeah, it, it messes with you for a little bit. Yeah. All right, so lots to go over on the show. Today, but I'm going to start off with uh, a declarative statement, Griggs. Mm, I like this. You know, I always say the best version of this show is the show that I can't do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know a lot, and there's a lot I can't talk about on this show, whether it's I don't want to breach the trust of a friend or I actually have a confidentiality agreement with a client. But I'm going to say this, and, you know, mark your calendar May 28th, 2019. Kevin Durant has played his last game for the Golden State Warriors. Uh, everyone knows he's injured. I think the injury is worse than Katie and his team are letting on. And that makes sense. Look, you're going to be a free agent. You don't want to do anything to jeopardize your market value. Um, but he's played his last game in Golden State. He's not going to play in the NBA Finals. And he is going to be heading east. And I wouldn't assume that it's the New York Knicks that he's going to sign with. It could be the Knicks, but I wouldn't assume that it's going to be the Knicks. So those are my two declarative statements to start off this pod. Kevin Durant has played his last game for the Warriors. He will not play in the finals. And he's going east. Uh, Griggs, I feel very confident in my uh, sourcing on this. Some people, I know a lot of people have speculated KD to the Knicks all year. A lot of people have... Uh, talked about how well the Warriors have done in his absence. They're five and zero in the playoffs without Kevin Durant. And I think they're like thirty three and one. Steph Curry is without Kevin Durant since he signed with the Warriors. Pretty amazing. But this is going to do a few different things. Um, first, it's really going to be interesting for the Warriors because I think a lot of people assumed if KD returned to the Warriors, they probably can't re-sign KD. 
uh, Clay Thompson and Draymond Green. Now, here's another thing that happened this week where it impacts the Warriors and the NBA. The all-NBA teams were announced. And people go, great, it's a popularity contest, it's media that votes on these, big deal. Well, some guys have incentive clauses in their contracts that make this a very big deal. If you're named to one of the three all-NBA teams, you're eligible for a Supermax contract, which when I tell you these numbers in a minute, you're going to see how big of a deal that is. So there were three main guys that got named to an all-NBA team where this really impacts them. The first is Kemba Walker of the Charlotte Hornets. He made third-team all-NBA, and some people thought Clay should have made it over him. Some people thought Bradley Beal should have made it over him. Some people thought C.J. McCollum should have made it over him. But Kemba Walker made third-team All-NBA. What does that mean for him? He's a free agent this offseason. He's now eligible to sign a five-year, $221 million contract. Roughly $50 million more, Griggs, than if he had not been named to an All-NBA team and not eligible for the Supermax. If he goes to a new team... Four years, $140 million. So you talk about an important vote. Yeah. That was a $50 million vote for Kemba Walker. Damian Lillard, who plays right here in Portland, Oregon, the Rose City, he made second team All-NBA. He is now eligible for a four-year, $191 million extension. And people would go, that's a no-brainer. Damian Lillard's great. He stayed healthy. He's the face of the Blazers franchise. Formality that they sign him to that deal. And you know what? You may be right. But here's where it gets tricky. Paul Allen died this year. The Blazers are owned by Paul Allen's trust right now. There's no owner of this team, per se. It's not Jody Allen. She's part of the the trust, overseeing the trust. She's not the one making the decisions on this. From everyone I talked to and I checked in with people in the last week, it's going to be two to five years before the Blazers are sold. This isn't going to happen next season. Two to five years before the Blazers are sold. Damian Lillard will be 35 if he signs this four-year, $191 million extension to his current contract. If you're selling this team, that could be something that a buyer looks at. Wow. That's the biggest contract on the books. Four years, $191 million. Looks great right now. And again, maybe it will be. But that is a lot of money. Ideally, when someone buys a team, there's as much flexibility as possible. You're not locked in into any long-term contracts. And you can shape that team and that roster as you want. So, again, I think the Blazers probably give them the four years, one ninety-one. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it, but it's tricky because if this team is going to be sold in the next two to five years, that contract is going to be in play when the new owner buys the Blazers. Now, here's the last one. Clay Thompson, who I think is probably the most underappreciated player in the NBA. Guy plays both ways, always guards the best offensive player on the other team. You know, if Steph wasn't on his team, he'd probably be regarded as the best shooter in the NBA, or, or, you know, certainly top two. He would get a lot more accolades than he does, but because he's on Steph's team and he fits into a system and they're a team, 
he doesn't get the accolades individually that he should. All defensive team, all NBA team, all of these things. He should be getting more. He didn't make all NBA team, first, second, or third team. $30 million that cost him. So he's a free agent this offseason. He's not eligible for the Supermax now. $30 million. And you may go, well, gosh, he's already got a lot of money. I don't care. $30 million. I don't care who you are. That's a lot of money. And we saw in some video that was posted on social media when someone told him last week that he didn't make the All-NBA team, we saw his raw emotion. He kind of shook his head. He made sure he wasn't disrespectful of Kemba or anyone who was on those teams in front of him. But he feels like he's one of the best 15 players in the NBA. And I would agree with him. But I think because he's on a championship team, he gets slighted when it comes to his individual performance. Uh, Griggs, your response yeah. to some of those things. I think the, the Kimba one I think is good because I think he took a team that was basically nobody even remembered they were in the NBA right. and made him a team. <laughs> so I think that's good. But yeah, the Clay one was shocking to me too, but I think you're right. You hit it on the head. It's, he's in, a, he's in an all-star team. I right. mean, he doesn't, he's part of that Golden State dynasty yeah. that he just gets in the mix and people forget about him. But I think he should definitely have been top 15 players in the NBA. So interesting. And like we've talked about with the NFL, they do, NBA is doing a great job of heading into summer with, summer with all kinds of storylines. So NBA is going to be relevant throughout the summer with the free agencies and the signings and all this stuff. So it'll be fun to see where everything happens June, July and all this stuff uh, coming up. We'll return to our conversation after a word from our sponsor. When it comes to stadiums and arenas, every sports pro knows wireless wins. And when it comes to the best wireless technology for your venue, look no further than Boingo Wireless. Boingo is the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S., providing state-of-the-art Wi-Fi and cellular services that power amazing fan experiences. And Boingo makes keeping your stadium connected easy today and in the future. Thinking about 5G? Boingo's expert team helps you carry the ball through a complex technology landscape to deliver wireless solutions that will delight fans and deepen loyalty season after season. Here's another kicker. Boingo is simply the best connected experience for your business. With Boingo, stadiums and arenas enjoy unique operating efficiencies, revenue opportunities, and digital insights into their fan base. That's a win-win. Boingo works with major league sports venues like Soldier Field, Vivint Smart Home Arena, State Farm Arena, and University Stadiums like University of Louisville and K-State. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports. If you would like more information on Boingo Wireless, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Now, some of these contracts, let's take Damian Lillard for a minute. In the last year, let's say he signed the Supermax. In the last year of his deal in the Supermax, $53.6 million you're paying Damian Lillard. Now, some people go, my God. You know, and people are looking at the Chris Paul contract right now, saying that he's going to make $48 million in the last year of his deal and he's not healthy. Keep this in mind, everyone. These contracts compared to contracts of the past, it's a lot of money. And look, it's a lot of money no matter what time period we're in. If you're making $50 million in a year to play pro sports, that's a lot of money. But I will say this. I think when the NBA streaming deals come, so we know you know, the NBA is a huge deal with TNT and ESPN broadcast-wise. Multi-billion dollar deal that allowed 
them to dole out these kind of contracts. We have yet to factor in the money that they're going to get for streaming deals, which could uh, equal or exceed the broadcast deals. My point is this. I think if we fast forward five years from now and we look at some of these deals, this sounds crazy to say, they might actually be bargains. <laughs> like when you see, oh my gosh, I'm paying you know, Steph Curry $45 million. Wow, that's a bargain. Because when the new money kicks in, and the cap goes up with the streaming money, guys may be making $60 million a year. So it sounds cartoon money, like monopoly money, Yeah. but you have to keep things in perspective that the more money that comes into a certain business, and in this case it's the NBA, the more you can pay the players, the more the market value of these players goes up. So uh, I actually think, some of these deals, if you lock in Lillard, if you're the Blazers and you say, we want him to play for us his entire career, we never want Damian Lillard to play for another team, then lock him in at four years, 191 on the Supermax extension. And I think in five years, that contract actually doesn't look too bad. If he continues to perform like he has, and if he doesn't get hurt, pretty good deal. Uh, some other things NBA news related. Ja Morant, who is most likely going to be the number two pick in the NBA draft, probably going to go to Memphis unless they trade that pick. He signed an endorsement deal with Nike this week. So everyone's wanting to know where's Zion going. But the guy who is seen as the next best player in this draft to Zion, Ja Morant, has signed with Nike. Now, what does that do? Does that make Nike less likely to sign the top two guys? And say, you know what? We're going to go with Jaw. We think he's a better bet. We think he's cheaper to sign than uh, Zion. And by the way, Jaw Morant didn't meet with anyone else, Griggs. He only met with Nike. So, like, there wasn't even a market there. He let everyone know, I want to sign with Nike. So Nike kind of had some leverage there. Oh, he only wants to sign with us. We're not competing against five other co- companies like uh, you may with Zion. It changes that market. But I won't be surprised the more people I talk to if Nike doesn't sign Zion. I think if they want to, they're the leader in the clubhouse. Yeah, There's no one that's going to beat them. But if they decide we're going to stand down on Zion and we're going to let Adidas or Under Armour or you know, one of the Chinese shoe companies pay him a ton of money, they feel like they're overpaying, especially now since he's in New Orleans and he's not in New York or L.A., I think they're going to stand down on that. But we'll see. I, I would imagine that that announcement is coming in the next two weeks or so. You know, obviously before the draft. Uh, here's something else. Griggs, when we were in New York last week, Magic Johnson goes on first take with Stephen A. Smith and just goes scorched earth <laughs> on Rob Polinka and the Lakers, yeah. and he was backstabbed and all of this stuff. And, you know, I told people last week, I said, I'll give Magic credit on this. When he did his scrum and he resigned in the last game of the season, I think it was March 10th, uh, in LA, and he had that little impromptu press conference, stepping down. I think he knew that either one of two things was going to happen. One, he was going to be asked by Jeannie Buss to spend a whole lot more time around the organization than he had, be much more accountable as the president of basketball operations than, you know, gallivanting around Southern California and the world running his other businesses and not really being engaged as president of basketball operations. Or two, Maybe he saw a scenario where Jeannie said, this isn't working, I got to let you go. So what he did is he created the narrative. 
He said, I'm going to be the one to step down. I'm going to seize the power. I'm going to control all of this. Well, last week he did the same thing, right? So he knows later in the day Rob Palenka and Frank Vogel, the new coach, are having their press conference in L.A. So what does he do that morning? He controls the narrative. He goes on with Stephen A. Smith, and I was backstabbed and did it. And here's my deal. Like, I loved Magic as a player. Magic as an executive, I think, is a train wreck. Yeah. And he doesn't want to roll up his sleeves and get dirty. And he wanted to just, you know, pass the buck. So if you're going to say backstabbing is when someone says they're not around (laughs) and they're not doing their job, then I guess you call it backstabbing. And, you know, I'm not a huge Rob Palenka fan. I think if I were Jeannie Buss... I wouldn't have Rob Palenka as my guy running basketball operations because I think he burned a lot of bridges as an agent. GMs, when they see his number on the caller ID come up, they're like, nope, not answering that call. He just is not a guy that other people want to do business with, whether you're an agent repping a team or whether you're a GM and you're calling about a trade. He just doesn't have a great reputation. But... Baxter Holmes from ESPN wrote a scorched earth story on magic today on ESPN.com mm-hmm. and really the dysfunction of the Laker organization. And it's interesting because when you see things like this, you really have to kind of pick through and say, where's the fact and where's the fiction? Where's the agenda? In this case, you know, magic took his turn going scorched earth on the Lakers. Well, now. Baxter Holmes via someone inside the Lakers is going scorched earth on Magic. And Magic had these tirades and Magic made people so upset that they had to go on anti-anxiety drugs and they left the organization after two decades and people were crying at their desks after Magic came through and ripped people and he ripped Luke Walton and all of these things. And look, again, I'm not saying there's some there's not some truth to this. And that this is all made up. But it's pretty easy to see from where we sit. Like, this is a back-and-forth agenda. Magic's agenda, someone with the Lakers' agenda. Is it Rob Polinka? Is it someone else? I don't know. But you know what I did this weekend, Griggs? I, I had a drive, and I listened again to Jeannie Buss with me last month in, in L.A. Mm-hmm. Jeannie knows what she's doing. Jeannie is not a stupid person. Jeannie has done a great job running the business operations of the Lakers for a number of years. They're probably the healthiest team financially of any team in the NBA. They have a $3 billion TV deal. (laughs) Just their TV deal. There are teams, there's never been an NBA team sold for $3 billion. Griggs, they have a TV deal worth $3 billion. So on the business end, they are kicking ass. And that's because of Jeannie. Right. Um, and even when LeBron wasn't on the team, they were still selling the courtside seats and had that TV deal. And they haven't gone to the playoffs in six years and they're still thriving business wise. Where her mistake has been, in my opinion, is she's trusted the wrong people on the basketball operations side. She has made emotional decisions when she should have made non-emotional decisions. So, you know, her brother ran the team, which was her father's wish on basketball operations. She brought Magic in, who was also like a brother. So it's harder to make a difficult business decision with someone when you have an emotional tie to them. She's still listening to some of the wrong people um, who she has emotional ties to. So she needs to turn this around. But Jeannie Buss is not a dumb person. She's not some wackadoo. 
you know, crazy person that you go, man, they need to take away the keys to that car from that person, kind of like Al Davis at the end with the Raiders. She's not that person. So she'll get this figured out, but she needs to trust the right people. But it's interesting because the media is, I mean, you know, I saw something on ESPN this morning and it said the Lakers are the NBA's version of keeping up with the Kardashians. <laughs> oh, my God. That is not the reputation you want. No. And it's certainly not the reputation you want, Griggs, when we are a month away from free agency. Because guess what? The free agents, they read this stuff. Yeah. And if they go, you know what? I'm not even taking a meeting with them because if this is the kind of circus going on there, I'm not going to sign with that organization. Now, in the meantime, in the last week, Griggs, in L.A., LeBron had a dinner with Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook, and he had a dinner with Kyrie Irving. So pictures of those dinners get out. (laughs) People start speculating, ooh, is that LeBron recruiting AD? Hmm. Russell Westbrook has a big contract. If OKC ever traded that to get away from that contract, might he go to L.A.? Would those three ever play together? Ooh, Kyrie and LeBron are having dinner. Have they kissed and made up? Are they going to play on the same team? My sources tell me Kyrie is not going to the Lakers. He's going east. He's more likely to pair with Kevin Durant. And uh, he's already made some strong moves in that direction. So I don't think you'll see him with the Lakers. Now, with what I told you about KD and what I've told you about Kyrie, these are young millennials, Griggs. Maybe a little older than millennials, but... They can change their mind like the wind blows. Yep. And we've seen Kevin Durant change his mind and go back and forth. I still think he's going east. In the immediate future, I stand behind. He will not play in the finals. I think he's played his last game for the Warriors. But would I be shocked a month from now, or a little over a month from now after July 1st, if I learned, oh, Kevin Durant's going to the Clippers. (laughs) Or, you know, he had a change of heart and... Uh, the Warriors lose in the finals, and KD sees like he is the last piece to the puzzle. And by the way, the Warriors can pay him like $40 million more than anyone else. So, And he's been hurt, so he goes, huh, maybe I better take the most amount of money I can get because I've been hurt a few times now, and I'm going to stay in Golden State. I don't see that happening, and I stand by what I said to kick off this podcast. I think he's going to the East, and... He's played his last game for the Warriors. But you never know with these guys, and that's sure. part of what makes NBA offseason so fun is there is the drama. You know, you've got the Lakers drama. You've got Kevin Durant. You've got Kyrie Irving. What's going to happen with the Warriors? They're moving into a new arena. Uh, you know, Clay Thompson, does he go back to the Warriors? Draymond Green, who's really – I mean, you want to talk about a guy who has increased his stock in the last – Three weeks? Yep. There's no one in the NBA that has increased their stock more than Draymond Green in the last three weeks. The other guy on that list that everyone knew was really good, but I think you're like now putting him in the top three conversation of players in the NBA. Look at what Kawhi Leonard is doing. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about, you talked about Kemba carrying the Hornets. What Kawhi has done with the Raptors in these playoffs, it's one of the great, NBA playoff runs that we've seen by an individual player. I don't think there's any way they beat Golden State, but what he's done to get them to this point, and you know, they might win a game or two. I said uh, on Twitter at SB Radio, I said Golden State in six. What's your prediction? I th- that's what I was thinking too. Golden, I think he'll 
he'll win some games, probably the home home games. But right. uh, I think Golden State will clean up for sure. Yeah. So yeah. Golden State game six is back in Golden State. So yeah. I see them closing it out in Golden State. Uh, but I just don't think Kawhi has enough. I mean, unless Kyle Lowry raises to a level that right. we've never seen from him and Siakam, but it's just a bad matchup for yeah. Toronto. And I think that Golden State is going to be able to completely focus their defense on Kawhi and say, someone else beat us. Right. Marcus All beat us. Kyle Lowry beat us. Siakam beat us. It's not going to be Kai, or it's not going to be Kawhi, even though he'll get his points, but. Yeah. I, I don't think he can beat them by himself. And Golden State just has too many options. And they're playing like they did, you know, in 2015 when they were really, really good. Well, they did the same thing with Portland, too. They they fixed Damon. They stopped Damon. And right. we had someone else had to try to pick it up, and it didn't happen. Yeah. Now, that's the other thing about Golden State is their defense is greatly underrated. Yep. They're, they have really good defense. And uh, just think about this, and then we'll end this NBA conversation. How many teams, great teams in history, and I, you have to put Golden State as a great team, right? Oh, yeah. How many of them could lose arguably their best player, at worst second best player, and go 5-0 and after that? Yeah. And probably go on and, and win their third championship in a row and be staring history in the face at four in a row, which makes Kevin Durant leaving even more. I mean, if he thought the narrative around leaving OKC for Golden State was bad, (laughs) you better put on your big boy pants and you better get yourself off of social media because they are coming for you, Kevin Durant. When you (laughs) leave the Warriors, when they're on the verge of history, going for four in a row, and I don't care where you go, when you leave that, you're going to get crushed. So he, he, I hope he's ready for that. Because that's what's coming. But he seems like a guy who's like, you know what? I'm going to go somewhere else, and I want to beat them with this other team. Like, I want to go be Kemba Walker. Or I want to go be Kawhi Leonard and lead a team on my own. One more thing. I want to go back to to something we talked about earlier, uh, the all-NBA team thing. You know, we talked on the show a few weeks ago about why do we do the same things that we've done for 50 years? Why do we not change them? Griggs... There's a lot of money at stake for these NBA players with, you know, we just outlined Damian Lillard, Kemba Walker, Clay Thompson, who lost $30 million. These votes are done by the media. Hmm. Why? Why? Because it's always been done that way? Yeah. At the worst, don't we have a split vote between the media and the players, the peers who actually are on the court playing against these guys? If you're going to say... Kemba, you get $50 million more. Clay Thompson, you get $30 million less. Damian Lillard, you get, you know, 40 or $50 million more. Shouldn't we have people other than just the media voting on this? Cause look, media can have an axe to grind with a player. That guy didn't give me an interview. That guy was a jerk to me. I'm not voting for him. There can be an extreme bias. There could be a bias with players too. But if you allow this vote to be half media, half peers, guys on the court, not even coaches, give me the guys on the court playing with Clay Thompson, Kemba Walker, Damian Lillard. If they're going to get that money, let's have it be from someone. Part of the vote has to be from the players, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I think that's a brilliant idea. And you're right. The people that are playing with these guys day in, day out, they know how good they are. Right. Like somebody that tries to defend Clay on that jump shot off the off the screen. 
It's the best in the NBA. I mean, how can that guy not be on the on one of those teams? It's just baffling to me. And I agree. I think the players have a great vote. I would say if you took a poll of all NBA players and you just asked one question, is Clay Thompson a top 15 player in the NBA? That would be like 85% yes. He is a top 15 player in the NBA. According to the media, he's not. And because of that, it cost him $30 million. Again, I understand how he gets lost in his greatness because he's on a great team and no one other than, you know, really Steph stands out and shines. But it's ridiculous to me that just because we've been doing things the same way for years and years that we don't look at things like this or like the media access and say, you know what? Times have changed. Let's do it differently. And by the way, when we put the media in charge of voting for these things, there weren't supermax contracts. There wasn't $50 million at stake for someone. I mean, Griggs, at what point, if you're, if you're Kemba Walker or you're Clay Thompson and you have that much money, at what point do you not go to some reporters and say, you know what? I'll give yeah. you a little something, something. <laughs> yeah. You vote for me. True. And I got 30 million at stake. I'll take a million out of that 30 and I'll divide it up to all the people who vote yes for me. Like on one of these. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Yeah. I would do that. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, that's a business decision at that point. Mm-hmm. So that has to change. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back after this. One word you wouldn't typically associate with a dress shirt is comfort. However, the folks over at Mizzen in Maine are changing this. Their shirts are incredibly comfortable. Mizzen in Maine makes dress shirts for men that fixes everything that's ever been wrong with shirts for so long. Their shirts breathe, stretch, and wick away moisture. It's like athletic wear disguised as a dress shirt, making them great for travel. They've taken the hassle out of looking great through wrinkle resistance and the ability to wash your shirts at home. No more last-minute ironing. No more after-work trips to the dry cleaner. It's a shirt that's worked for thousands of customers, including hundreds of professional athletes like J.J. Watt and Phil Mickelson. Head over to MizzenInMaine.com and use promo code SBR to get $10 off your dress shirt. That's MizzenInMaine.com, code SBR. I can tell you one thing. I'll be wearing Mizzen in Maine dress shirts at all future sports business radio roadshows and sports PR summit events. I can't wait. Now, back to sports business radio with Brian Berger. All right, other things going on this week. Uh, the NHL Stanley Cup. Griggs, I don't know if you watched game one last night. Boston won four to two. Uh, I think the Stanley Cup's going to get good ratings. Yeah. Two markets with longtime loyal fan bases, St. Louis Blues and Boston Bruins. Check this out, Griggs. If the Bruins win, it will be the first time in 80 years that a city, in this case Boston, has had three of the four reigning champions in the major sports. So Mm. the Patriots have already won the Super Bowl. The Boston Red Sox won the World Series. If the Bruins win, other than the Celtics, (laughs) they've got a sweep of the major sports, the championships residing in that city all at the same time. That's pretty incredible. Good to be a Boston fan. Man. <laughs> well, and remember, like, other than the Celtics, it was like, oh, the Red Sox, they can't win a World Series. I mean, this was yeah. like 20 years ago. Sure. Now, there's championship parades every year, and <laughs> yeah. sometimes in this case, there may be three yeah. in, in one year. <laughs> crazy. I mean, it really is crazy. Yeah. yeah. How one city can be that dominant. But the series isn't over yet. St. Louis may have something to say about that. 
But uh, overall, the ratings for NHL have been up in the yeah. playoffs. I think it, it really helps. You know, NBC has done a really good job promoting the playoffs and the Stanley Cup, and their coverage is really good. And, yep. you know, I can see how the ratings will go up every year. And I, I have to say, I said this before, but I got a chance to go to the Colorado Avalanche game uh, two months ago. I hadn't been to an NHL game in person in many years. Griggs, being at an NHL game in person, yep, it's as good as any experience you have in sports. I love it. It's fantastic. Yep, I went to an Arizona game one time, uh, ten years ago probably. We actually got to sit right on, right on the ice, first first row, and it was like incredible. Yeah, I was just I loved it. It was probably one of my favorite live sporting events I've ever been to. Well, you see first how fast and graceful they are on skates. Yeah, yeah. and these are big dudes. Yeah, six five, six six. Right. Then you see how hard they hit each other. Like, there was a guy from Boston last night. I don't know if you saw it. It was third period, probably about 10 minutes left. Yeah. I can't remember his name. Some guy on the other end, like, takes him down and rips his helmet off. <laughs> and then they skate back to the other end, and the guy who was missing a helmet, like, totally body checks him to the point where the guy goes flying up in the air. And I was like, that's crazy. The guy doesn't even have a helmet on. <laughs> yeah. This would be like... You know, coming at someone full speed in the NFL to tackle them and to spear them with your head, but you don't have a helmet no, on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that dude is nuts. Yeah. But I like that stuff. Yeah, it's fun. And, and you know, you see that in person, and it's really great. So uh, I'm excited about Stanley Cup. I think it's going to do well on NBC. Um, some other things. Indy 500. So we were in... New York last week with Mark Miles. We talked all about the Indy 500. If you didn't hear that conversation, I invite you to listen to it. But, Griggs, the NBC ratings were good. Uh, they averaged 5.4 million viewers. This was the first time that the Indy 500 had been on NBC. It had been on ABC last year where they had 4.9 million viewers. So up, what, 500,000 viewers? Yep. I think the fact, like Mark told us last week, that people just know now, if I want anything to do with IndyCar... I'm going to NBC or NBC Gold. The other thing is, I don't know if you had a chance to watch any of the races. A little bit, yeah. I watched the pre-race. And, you know, remember, I've been in a two-seater. So I saw Mario Andretti take Dale Earnhardt Jr. in a two-seater. Yeah. <laughs> and it was really great. And you, they were mic'd up, yeah. and you could hear them talking. Great. And at the end, you know, uh, Dale Jr.'s like, hey, next time I'm driving. <laughs> and, and I just, I mean, those are two iconic drivers. Yeah. And... One of the things that Dale Jr. said when he was riding around is he's like, I feel like my helmet's going to fly off. And I remember that's the exact feeling I had when I was in it. That was the number one thing is I felt like we were going so fast. You can feel the air coming up under your helmet and you feel like it's going to fly off. <laughs> and I kept thinking, oh, my God, my helmet's going to fly off. <laughs> and that's the same thing that, that Dale Jr. was speaking. But it was interesting. Danica Patrick was on the coverage. Uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr., they obviously had Matt Damon and Christian Bale. Like I thought all the way around from bringing a little bit of pop culture yep. to bringing some iconic drivers. I mean, obviously, Dale Jr. is a stock car driver and a NASCAR driver. He wasn't an IndyCar driver, but he knows racing. And he's part of NBC's race coverage. So I thought it was actually cool. I thought some of Danica's insight from being in the car and what you're doing to prepare on race day and what – she had to offer when they're coming down the stretch in the last five laps and what you're trying to do as a driver if you're in the mix. I thought it was interesting insight. So all in all, I, I would give them an A. 
Uh, I saw Mark Miles in the winner circle as the winning driver is dousing himself with milk, and I'm like, hey. We, we know were, the story. <laughs> we were just sitting with this guy last week in yeah. New York. No, I think it was great. I think uh, the move to NBC is going to help him. I think NBC did a great job. I love the, you know, in the co- cockpit kind of yeah. thing, the cameras and the over the walkie-talkies and stuff. That stuff's cool. Yeah. And um, there's so much technology and analytics around it now. It's kind of fun to see how they, you know, how the cars are moving the whole time and moving position, and it's fun. So I think NBC is going to do well with it, and uh, not surprised ratings are up. Uh, here is another thing. By the way, uh, Mark Miles invited us to IndyCar. Yeah, to we Indianapolis were Indianapolis 500 <laughs> next year, and that might be something where me, you... Our resident race car expert, Bobby Corser, who would, like, die if he was at Indianapolis 500. And yeah. my daughter, we might have to make a little trek to to Indianapolis. Our friend, Maury Brown, was there okay. from uh, Biz of Baseball. Biz of Baseball and uh, Business of Sports. And uh, it looks like he had a ball. Yeah. And he had great access. And I was like, you know, that's one of those bucket list things. It'd be that cool. If you go to that and, and have a bird's eye view to that, that would be probably pretty great. Here's another stat I saw. You know, we're talking about TV ratings. So last Sunday was the final Game of Thrones on HBO. Griggs, 13.6 million live viewers. Live. Not watching it later, like I did, but live. That would have ranked 71st among NFL games in live viewership last season. 71st. It just tells you, like, with all of the hype around Game of Thrones, it would have ranked 71st. Like, that would have been a a bad audience for an NFL game. Yeah. And it shows you how strong the NFL is. So It's crazy. It it is crazy. Which, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned this on last week's pod, but uh, I got to go to the NFL League offices while I was there. I had a a meeting there. Uh, No, it wasn't with Roger Goodell. Hmm. Um, But... It was cool to be inside NFL headquarters. I had not been there before. Uh, they took me by and I saw the room, uh, official replay. Yeah. So like, you know, on a Sunday or a Monday, if you need to go to New York to consult with the officials on the replay, when they go under the hood, this was the room where the officials are saying, all right, it's a catch yep. or, uh, the ground caused a fumble or he didn't survive the catch or whatever terminology they use. <laughs> That's the room That's where awesome. it took place. That'd be fun to be on an actual game day and be yeah. outside that room watching. Well, I'd like to be inside the action or inside. Yeah, I don't want to yeah. be outside. The room. I want to be inside. <laughs> inside there. access. Yeah. No, that's cool. Now I'm sure they wouldn't let you take pictures or anything. Probably but not. It, it is. Yeah, that would be one of those things. If you go behind the scenes on something, that would be interesting to see how they do that. You know, the NBA, like more and more, Major League Baseball. They're going to a central location at league headquarters to have people who have, you know, a lot of different monitors up like this room had and a lot of different camera angles up. They can say, like, all right, we have a better vantage point on this than you do on the field. And by the way, you're looking through, like, a little hood and you're looking into a small camera. It makes sense that you would go to people who have a better vantage point to make those calls. But I got to see that room. Uh, There were, you know, all kinds of, like, not shrines, but little uh, areas for each team and, you know, kind of odes to the owners of those teams. And it was cool. It was it was well done. It was there was nothing surprising. I didn't go, oh, wow, this is so different. Yeah. I've been into NBA headquarters as well. Uh, so and I've been to Major League Soccer. It, it's interesting to see the headquarters of some of these uh, operations, but I appreciate them having us. Griggs, another headline this week. 
and we talked about this a few weeks ago. Uh, Meredith sold Sports Illustrated last night. It was in a very complex auction. Uh, it's really weird how this is going to take place. It's not like they just sold it and went, okay, we're all done. Like, see you later. Have a nice life. What they really did is they, they sold the licensing around it. And they sold it to a company, uh, ABG in New York. Uh, and they own the licensing rights to Greg Norman, Dr. J, Shaq, Prince, and others <laughs> in events. So what everyone is saying, expect Sports Illustrated to be aggressively licensed. And that could be like Sports Illustrated Medical Centers, Sports Illustrated Gambling Hubs, Sports Illustrated Photo Archives, like Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Stuff. Some of their iconic things, Mm -hmm. they're going to try and license those things. And then this is like a two-year option. So in two years, well, this worked really well. Let's keep on keeping on. Or... We're going to go in a different direction. The good news is, is that, you know, we have friends at Sports Illustrated, including John Wartime, who we saw last week in uh, New York. The staff will be intact. So mm-hmm. for at least the next two years, the staff remains intact. A lot of good people there. $110 million was the price on this. And you may remember Meredith bought all of Time Inc.'s assets, including Time Magazine, uh, and Sports Illustrated for $1.8 billion. This was a little over a year and a half ago. So they're like selling off the parts. Yeah. This they didn't sell off completely, but $110 million, the first thing I thought of, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, you would think the photo archives alone yeah. are worth $110 million. So it, it shows you that some of these assets have really depreciated in value or the market out there because they have been shopping Sports Illustrated for a while. Yeah. If this was the price, the best price they could come up with and it's an auction, I was more surprised about that price than anything else. Yeah, interesting. I would be interested to see how that price came about. Like what, right. where'd that number come from? Exactly. You know what I mean? Because it's like, like you said, I mean, the iconic images that we've seen over the years from Sports yeah. Illustrated, some of those you'd think would be worth who knows how much. Uh, it's baffling. It's interesting, though. Well, so, you know, if you own those images and you license those images out or you sell those images, all the photos they have, the yeah. amazing photos, that's not worth $110 million Crazy. just by itself. Forget yeah. about swimsuit issue and all of the things you could do around that and the TV shows like they do, uh, the magazine itself. So, anyways, Sports Illustrated is going to remain intact, which... You know, coming off the heels of ESPN announcing they're shutting down ESPN the magazine, I'm happy that Sports Illustrated is remaining intact. I'm happy my friends still have jobs. And it'll be interesting to see this licensing model and, and how that works. But that was news that broke last night. Uh, a few more things before we wrap up. Our Yankee Stadium experience. I want to thank Jason Zillow at the Yankees and the team there. Griggs, we took a red eye from Portland to New York. And you guys... You know, you were on me, you and Brad Kinzer. You're like, Berger, what are you doing? Why are we? And I was like, you know what? We're going to the Yankees game. This is the only time they're in town this week. Yeah. Whenever we've gone to Sports PR Summit, they've been on the road. Seize the day. And by the way, the Yankees are taking care of us. And Griggs, did they ever take care oh, of yeah. us? Yeah. I mean, we went down on the field. They gave us behind-the-scenes access. They put us in the Delta Suite. Yeah. We were right behind home plate. It was a beautiful day. So thank you to the Yankees. I mean, you know, there's certain venues, like we were just talking, uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, Lambeau Field. Yeah. I've been to Soldier Field now. 
there's just certain venues that you're like, that is hallowed ground mm-hmm. in American sports history. And I know this version of Yankee Stadium is only 10 years old, but it's really great. The way oh, they yeah. replicated old Yankee Stadium into this one and from... You know, Monument Park, where you see the statues to Babe Ruth and Mickey Mantle and Lou Gehrig, to just the pillars and the design of the ballpark, it was stunning. I was looking at the pictures last night from Kinzer, and just that shot where we were behind home plate looking out, yeah. and you see the NY logo right, right. right at your feet, and you see just all the flat, the pennants yeah. in the wind, and like the old, they made the uh, top of Yankee Stadium, they kind of kept the old look with the old wood kind yep. of a... Uh, fence kind of thing around the top of it. It was iconic. It was a perfect day. They had about six home runs in the game. They, yeah. they, they won the game. I mean, the crowd was into it, and it's just, it was iconic. It was a great experience. I'll never forget it. When the uh, Yankees opener, not starting pitcher, opener, yeah, opener, who had been called up from the minors for a spot start, walked the opening batter, yeah. I was like, all right, we're in for some offense today. <laughs> yeah, we got some offense. And we, we got, I think it was like 12-6 yeah, was the final was, score yeah. or something like that. But yeah, yeah we saw home runs. It was a beautiful day. Uh, it was just great. And, you know, like I said, Jason Zillow and the people at the Yankees were fantastic. And thank you for hosting us and, you know, making that a really special, memorable day for us. And, you know, I said to them, I go, I'm pretty jaded at this point. It takes a lot to get me excited about a sports experience. I've been to so many venues and so many events. And, you know, Griggs, I've turned down Super Bowl tickets to come home and watch it on TV. Yeah. <laughs> That's me. Yeah. So it, I, I'm kind of guy who you got to bring something to to get me excited, and, and Yankee Stadium is pretty special. Yeah. So and I, I, you know, I heard from some Red Sox fans who were on me, but I've been to Fenway, and Fenway is just as special. But I had not been to Yankee Stadium, and neither had any of us. So right. it was uh, it was really cool. Uh, last thing we'll t- we talked about this a little bit last week, but we were at Sports PR Summit. That's why we were in New York. And I just wanted to, you know, recap that event a little bit more than we did last week. Um, you know, we started off the day with Grant Hill, who I had never met before. And, you know, again, sometimes people live up to what you've heard about them. And other times you're like, eh, God, that guy kind of disappointing or that woman disappointing. Grant Hill was phenomenal yeah. and just such a class act. So low maintenance. Uh, a guy who has seen it all was a superstar in college at Duke on one of the most iconic college basketball teams we've ever seen. Won two championships. Uh, was an amazing player in the NBA. Shared rookie of the year with Jason Kidd. If he didn't get hurt, I think we're talking about Grant Hill as one of the top 10 to 15 players yeah. ever yeah. in the NBA. As it was, he was still a basketball Hall of Famer. So, you know, that's pretty amazing that you can rebound from that kind of, uh, persistent injury that he had and still become a Hall of Famer. He really reshaped his career in his latter years with the Suns coming off the bench. Like, how many guys would do that when they're a basketball Hall of Famer? Um, but just a nice guy and really insightful with his conversation. Had some interesting insight with uh, Duke's relationship with the Fab Five and mm-hmm. some of the back and forth there. But, you know, make no mistake, Grant Hill, he's got the killer instinct inside of him. Like, when he needed to turn on the the killer instinct, he could do it. Um, But, you know, he was on the same team with Christian Leitner, and he's just, he was a class act. So it was a really nice uh, day meeting him and hearing his insight. John Wartime from Sports Illustrated was on the stage with Maggie Gray, and, 
you know, John broke two of the biggest stories of the year last year with the Dallas Mavericks and the Carolina Panthers and really changed the course of those organizations with those two stories. So to see a little bit of his playbook and to hear from him firsthand was really great. And by the way, you know, when I created this event, I didn't want PR people just talking to PR people because the PR people already know how to handle a crisis, how to write a press release, how to storytell. They want to hear from the other side of the equation. Let me hear from the reporter. Let me hear from the athlete. Let me hear from the executive. That's the perspective I never get. We never have those candid conversations. So we have those at our event. And that's why having someone like John Wartime who would share his playbook from 60 Minutes or from Sports Illustrated or from writing a book, pretty unique perspective. Uh, I was on stage with David Stern. He was phenomenal. His stories... Uh, I went and had a bowl on Friday night of matzo ball soup in honor of David Stern since <laughs> he talked about matzo ball soup. That was the first conversation. I walked off stage and someone said to me, I bet that's the first time you've ever talked about matzo ball <laughs> soup during one of your conversations. And I go, you know, you're right. <laughs> we On Sports Business Radio or at Sports PR Summit, we had never discussed matzo ball soup. Yeah. But somehow with David Stern, that came up it in did. the conversation. <laughs> Peanut butter jelly sandwiches came yep. up. Yep. But – you know, I think I may have mentioned this last week, the three things that he said to pay attention to that are coming. Sports gambling, esports, and cannabis. And he said cannabis is going to be every bit as big as sports gambling. You know, and maybe not cannabis, but the the CBD oils yeah. and yeah. all of those things. So uh, anytime you can have someone of David Stern's stature kind of give you that soundbite of here are the three things you need to pay attention to, it gets your attention. And yep. if it doesn't, then you're not paying attention. He's still so in tune. I love how he is just still in the mix so much. Yeah. You know he just he, he just soaks up everything that's happening in the NBA and, and other sports too. But he is just he's right there. He's in the he knows and that's a great insight. Those three things were like everybody's like, Yep. Yep, you're right. Yeah. You're exactly right. <laughs> well, and he talked about, and this is a great lesson for anyone listening to this podcast, and a reminder for us, reading. You know, he talked about all the reading he does to start off every day, publications, books. I think that's one of the ways that he's able to stay on the cutting edge of everything is he's consuming so much information. He's in the know on tech because he has 14 different tech company investments He's in the know on what's going on with the NBA because he's still consulting there. He's in the know on, you know, cannabis and, and things like that, emerging trends and products that are coming. He is uh, an avid reader and he stays on top of all of that. And by the way, you know, he still has a lot of meetings and he keeps busy and he, he loves doing that kind of stuff. But it was really great to be on stage with him in the afternoon. The Knuckleheads were good. I'm going to give a plug for their podcast on the Players' Tribune. If you have not listened to Darius Miles and Quentin Richardson, the Knuckleheads podcast, it's fantastic. It's totally different than this podcast, but it is going to offer you an insight that, frankly, we can't offer you. Uh, I would point you at one in, in particular. They interviewed Dwayne Wade at the end of last year. It's phenomenal. And it's a conversation that only they could have with Dwayne Wade. He would never have that conversation with us. So uh, listen to the knuckleheads. They were great. And, you know, they talked about how a lot of athletes are transitioning into podcasting and even active athletes like J.J. Reddick, C.J. McCollum. Uh, it's a great platform for them. And it's a way for them to, after they do retire, 
extend their relevancy uh, beyond their their playing days. So I enjoyed that conversation. Uh, Brody Van Wagenen, the GM of the Mets, we had never had a GM on stage at our event. He uses social media. Brody used to be with CAA, the agency, so he went from agent to GM. They had just gone through not crises, but some pretty intense uh, media availabilities the last few days before he came to our event. So he was able to share some of how that went down firsthand in real time. It was a great case study. But having his perspective was good. And, you know, there's another guy. I'd never met him. Super nice guy. Low maintenance. Yep. Showed up on time. By the way, everyone showed up like half an hour early. Oh, that's great. Like, I, I start going into heart failure when it's like <laughs> two minutes until you're on stage and yeah. you're not there. And I'm like, oh, my God. Especially if it's a featured conversation, a one on one. Like on a panel, if you have four panelists and someone doesn't show, you can still start it and you wait for the other person to show up, hopefully. But on a one on one featured conversation, if that person no shows, I'm screwed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't really have a plan B. <laughs> it's called us filling time and yeah. people don't want to hear from us, they want to hear from the speaker. But Brody was great. Uh, I, I really like what he's done with the Mets and the culture that he's created. He works very Hand in hand with Harold Kaufman, their uh, head of PR. So uh, I enjoyed listening to that. And then the last conversation with Carolyn Joyce, Nastia Lucan, Mike Golub, that was moderated by Gina Leahy from College Football Playoff. That was great too. And as someone who has a 14 year old daughter, I wish she was there for that conversation because it was so great about empowering women. And, you know, Mike Golub with the Thorns, they were nominated for uh, Team of the Year, the first women's team to be nominated. For the SBJs for team of the year. They didn't win, but some of the things that they're doing, they average 21,000 fans a game, Griggs, for awesome. women's soccer, which is great. And if you look at Women's World Cup coming up and all the hype around the women's U.S. team, I know far more about the U.S. women's soccer team than I do about the U.S. men's soccer team. For sure. Yep. And it's just because they're better, they're more cooperative with the media, they're more accessible on social media. And they just have had this sustained run of success dating back to the Rose Bowl when Brandy Chastain made that penalty kick and ripped off her jersey and they had that huge celebration. That really kind of started the passion for women's soccer in this country. But I guess my question would be this. Why can't all women's pro sports leagues replicate what the Thorns have done? That would be the goal, right? 21,000, you know, you're a great business model. Um, really good stat that I saw, Griggs. So the WNBA and Twitter now have a deal. The first game of the season, who was it? I think it was the Sparks and the Las Vegas Aces. By the way, Kobe was at that game with his daughter and her AAU team. 1.2 million people watched that game on Twitter. Hmm. Which, first of all, I love the fact that because it's on Twitter and it's digital, you can track that number. Yeah. The Nielsen numbers on TV, I always kind of go, well... Do you really know if that person's watching TV? Is it just on and they're like making dinner? <laughs> um, on Twitter, it's much more trackable. So 1.2 million, that's a great number for the WNBA. If I'm out there at the WNBA, I'm putting that number out there. If I'm Twitter, I'm putting that number out there. But that's an encouraging number. So anyways, all in all, a great event, Sports PR Summit 2019. Uh, thank you to the Players Tribune. Thank you to all the people who participated. Griggs, 
Thanks to you for making the trek out there and oh, yeah. celebrating 4.0 in, uh, in New York. It's a great credit to you and Rick, too, for putting together just great panels. I mean, each one of those panels was much, I mean, you had to be there. You wanted to see it. Yeah. And you wanted to hear it because it was so, uh, each one of them was different in, in every way, but still really relevant with everybody there. So I thought it was great. And a great event, full full crowd the whole time. And uh, just, uh, we had some sunshine, so we'd go out in the patio. It was great. So fun, fun day. Yeah, it was nice. That venue is amazing. I'm going to give another plug. Uh, Canoe Studios. Yeah. So that's where Players Tribune is located, high above the Hudson River. Uh, it It's just an unbelievable venue. We've been there the last four years. If you're ever in New York and you're looking to do a photo shoot or a commercial or a great party or you just want something unique because you're tired of being in hotels like we were, there's not anything better than Canoe Studios. So just Google Canoe Studios and check them out. This is how good Canoe Studios is, Griggs. Not only is our event there, Beyonce, Beyond Freaking Zay did a video, a music video at Canoe Studios. So Need I say more? Oh yeah, Victoria's Secret shot there. Well, yeah. I mean, all the all the makeup company commercials yeah. are shot there. We yeah. were there. Michael Strahan was a studio down. Yeah, he was shooting something with somebody. I mean, it's just like it's constantly going through. Every time you you go there, there's people in action going. It's great. Well, and it's in this big building that you would let go. You would never you would know, even know. You would never know yeah. this is there. Yeah. So just like we offer you the scouting report with Republic Jet Center. If you're flying into New York, take Republic Jet Center and save yourself time and and money. If you're going to New York and you're looking for a great venue to produce an event, go to Canoe Studios. Google canoestudios.com and uh, you'll find it. Griggs, uh, next week on our show, if all goes as planned, Alex Honnold, free solo himself, will be on this show. I am looking extremely forward to this interview. Yeah. Getting inside of his brain. Like, let's start with. You got to be a little different to do that. <laughs> Just a little. <laughs> I mean, you are free soloing El Capitan. It's awesome. And we have both seen the movie now. Yep. And it's gotten an Oscar, I think. Mm-hmm. And it was beautifully shot. But at the core, it's one of the most unbelievable athletic feats that you'll ever see. And literally, like we say this all the time, there's no margin for error in this game. This there is no margin for error. <laughs> if you have an error, you are dead. Yes. So I hope he never does it again. <laughs> I hope he's not one of those guys that's like, well, I'm going to go do this mountain now. Probably. Because it, it, you could feel as you were watching the movie the angst and the, the sheer terror of his friends and the filmmakers and the people who were making this movie that, oh, my God. Are we going to watch him fall to his death? Yeah. Like, that's that's what you're thinking. And he scaled up this thing in, like, less than five hours. Under four hours. It was, like, 3.37. I mean, it's, it's, like it's just it's unbelievable. Yeah. Like, literally, if you don't see it with your own two eyes, yeah. you're like, there's no way that guy did that. There's no it, – it's, like, straight up. It's not like you're going in and out and yeah. – there's, I don't even know where you put your fingers it's and nuts. your your toes, and there's no rope. So if you make a mistake, you're done. Now, why is he coming on with us? A, because I think he's a fascinating person. Yep. And B, uh, it sounds like he wants to take rock climbing mainstream, so he's working with a company to open 
a chain of rock climbing centers and, and make this more mainstream. Yep. I hope there's always a rope involved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's not free soloing, even at the, the rock climbing places, but we'll learn more from Alex on the show next week. I'm really looking forward to that interview. Uh, in a few weeks, Griggs, I'm going to be down in San Francisco and I'm going to go to the Bloomberg Players Tech Summit last year. Andre Iguodala, Kevin Durant, Joe Montana, Kerry Walsh Jennings, bunch of athletes, and then a bunch of tech billionaires in that room. So I'm going to go down to that. Uh, Andre Iguodala, in addition to probably winning another championship, has a new book out. My hope is to sit down with him and talk about winning another championship and about his book. And you got to think he's getting closer to retirement. And, you know, if they win one this year, does he step off and say, I'm riding into the sunset? Or do you say, you know what, I'm sticking around one more year because I want to go for four in a row. That hasn't been done. I want to go for four in a row. So it'll be interesting to talk to Andre, hopefully. And uh, that's always a fun event to go to, like Sports PR Summit. It's an invite-only room and a pretty exclusive room to be in. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. The Sports Business Radio podcast is brought to you by Blinder. Blinder is what savvy PR managers use in the bedroom or in their car, sometimes on the kitchen table, and especially in the office. Blinder is phone call magic. It lets you connect your media and fans directly to your athletes, coaches, and executives' personal phones without sharing anyone's private information. And you can record or join any call with the click of a button. Remotely control your team's phone interviews, set start and finish times, monitor online or with the Blinder mobile app, and listen to a recording of the call at any time for your complete peace of mind. With Blinder, you're finally in control. The system works globally from any phone line. Scheduling a call takes seconds. Customizable push-button notifications ensure a connection, and no one needs to download anything to make or receive a call. Learn how to start your free trial by visiting blinderhq.com backslash sbradio. Now we're talking. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. Thanks to Hadley Heck. She's a student athlete at Portland State University, and she's our new Sports Business Radio intern. I want to welcome ZipRecruiter to our family of sponsors. Again, really happy to have them on board. My listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash SBR. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash SBR. Happy to have them on board. And we want to remind you all the great places you can get the Sports Business Radio podcast. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify, Stitcher. Tune in wherever you get your podcast. You can find Sports Business Radio. So download us for on-demand listening. Subscribe, rate, and review us as well. We always appreciate the reviews. Follow me on Twitter in between shows at SB Radio. Follow us on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. 